This morning we pick back up in our study of the book of Jonah. Today our focus is on Jonah chapter 3. It's only 10 verses. I'm going to read those to you now. It's found on page 775 in the Pew Bibles, if you do not have your own copy of the scriptures. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah restored and Nineveh spared. I do want to tell you up front before I begin reading the passage that uh, we're actually going to spend uh, probably about half of the time reviewing where we've been in chapters 1 and 2 to set the table for these 10 verses that are very clear and straightforward here in chapter 3, which in turn will get us set up to conclude our study, Lord willing, next week from Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let us pray. Speak to your people from your word, O oh Lord. Use the message and the messenger for your glory. Lord, that each of us would see you as you are and would respond as we should. That your name would be seen as great in our lives. And we would grow in our knowledge of you. Help us, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. So how did we get here? 
Well, let's look first in, in Jonah chapter 1, and I'm going to go quickly through these things, but I, but I really do believe it's important for us, not just because we took last Sunday off for Park Sunday, but because really for us to appreciate what I just read in Jonah chapter 3, it really is important for us to, to reflect yet again on all that's taken place up to this point. Jonah chapter 1, you, you likely know the story even if you have not been here for this series. Uh, Jonah shows up early, or, or God tells Jonah in, in chapter 1 to go to Nineveh, Nineveh to warn them of his coming judgment. We learn that Nineveh was a, what well, was a great city in Assyria. And we also learn that the Assyrians were enemies of the Israelites. They were a brutal and harsh people. They were a military giant at that time, seeking to overcome and destroy other nations. We learn that by warning the people of Nineveh, God was showing him his mercy by giving them a chance to repent of their sins. I, I tried to make the point, and I've tried to make the point as we've worked through the book of Jonah, that, that God's mercy really is the, 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 the key to this letter. Uh, a, a giant fish is pretty cool, but that's not the point. Uh, a disobedient prophet who gets a second chance is that that's gracious but that's not the the full point Jonah reveals to us clearly and gloriously that our God is a merciful God which begs the question what is mercy well I, I found this quote and I wanted to share it with you Mercy is kindness shown to the miserable and includes pity, compassion, forbearance, and gentleness, which the scriptures so abundantly ascribe to God. It's the Presbyterian theologian Charles Hodge. Brothers and sisters, God is merciful. Again, this is the point of the book of Jonah, God showing his kindness to the miserable. And the miserable, brothers and sisters, is everyone we have encountered in the book of Jonah with the exception of God. Pity means to, to feel sorrow for someone. Compassion is a, is a desire and a willingness to, to help someone in need. Forbearance is long-suffering patience with those who continually blow it. Gentleness describes the way that God interacts with undeserving sinners. God is merciful. He was merciful to Jonah. He was merciful to the sailors. He was merciful to Jonah. And brothers and sisters, he is merciful to us today. God is merciful. We, we know the story. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah, what, had other plans. What, what did Jonah do? Well, I'll bring our trusty map out that's hard to see again, but just by reminder, 
Nineveh is here. This is Israel. There's no water between, well, no sea water between Israel and Nineveh. Jonah was called to do what? Travel to preach to the people of Nineveh. But what does he do? He, he hops a ship and it tells us that he sailed to Tarshish. And Tarshish doesn't even fit on this map. It's on the southern tip of Spain, about right there. So Jonah rebelled against God. He went the opposite direction. This wasn't just, no, I'm digging my heels in, God. I'm going to stay here and, and not go where you tell me to go. Send some other guy. No, I, I, I want to escape God's ability to send me where he wants me to go. So I'm hopping a boat and I'm going as far the other direction as I can possibly go. Outright rebellion against God. So God does what? He sends the storm. It was so fierce that, that, that even seasoned sailors began to fear for their lives and began to, to throw their cargo, cargo overboard to lighten the ship with the hope that they could outsail the storm that they were in. We know what happens next. They don't. They, they figure out that Jonah is the cause of the storm. And, and rather than saying, hey guys, turn around and take me back and, and God will let you live, he says, no, chuck me in the ocean. Kill me and the storm will cease. And so he's thrown overboard and God shows mercy in sparing the crew, but also in saving Jonah's life through the big fish. All review, but it's important that we remember what happens next. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 is, is Jonah's psalm or song of deliverance. It's a, it's a powerful psalm that, that, that really begins as Jonah hits the water and traces his sinking to the bottom of the ocean before he is swallowed by the fish. Now, repentance is, is the other key word that I want you to remember from the book of Jonah. God's mercy and repentance. We've learned what mercy is. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in actions. But that is not all. Repentance, the change that comes from repentance really is rooted in our turning away from our sin and turning to God in faith. And brothers and sisters, we need to remember that for the believer, when we disobey God, repentance is our only option. If we truly believe what we say we believe when our sin comes to light or, or, or we become aware of the fact that we've just rebelled against God or, or, or even have willingly gone into it and followed through on what we knew we should not do, our only course of action as Christians is to turn away from that sin and turn back to God in faith Seeking his forgiveness, but also seeking his help to not go down that road again. God is the 
only one who can forgive our sins. And he is the only one who can show us the right way to live. And he is the only one who deserves our worship and faithfulness. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, probably one of the only things you remember about that message are are the pictures of those ridiculous cars I put up there that people had tried to fix themselves. Now, I didn't do it again because I didn't want to distract you, but there was one car that had a broken headlight and, and some genius had taped three flashlights together and shoved them in the hole. There, there was another car that, 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 that had, a broke, had no wheel, and so they had stuck the, the wheel of some kind of industrial cart on the back. Uh, another car had a log as the back tire, keeping it level as they went down the road. It was humorous, but also a powerful illustration of when we don't repent and we try to fix things on our own. And and for those here this morning that have yet to respond in faith to the gospel, that's a great picture of your life as you try to to deal with your sin and your failure in your life, trying to make yourself look good for other people. You're you're shoving flashlights where, where, where a headlight should go. And the only one that can fix your mess is the one who died and rose again to restore you to God. But sadly, sometimes as believers, we live that way as well. We think somehow if I'm just good enough or I do enough things, then God's going to forget about the fact that I rebelled against him without our ever saying, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I, I was living like an unbeliever when I chose to engage in that lustful fantasy or that slanderous comment I made or that bitter attitude that I'm living in. But repentance says, no, we, we have something greater in Christ. He's, he's the one that calls us to, to live in a way that, that, that sets us free from the power of sin in our lives. So repentance is our only option, brothers and sisters. Repentance means we turn from sin to the God who can fix us. The God who has saved us. So repentance is key in chapter 2, and we're going to see that it's pretty important for chapter 3 as well. But what did we learn about God in, in, in uh, Jonah chapters 1 and 2? First of all, we, we learn that God delights in showing mercy to those who don't deserve it. That's an important truth. It's, an intru- it's a truth that transfers to our lives as well and to this world that we seek to share the gospel with. No one deserves God's mercy. Not one of us. We also learned that that God uses our trials to draw us closer to him in faith because he is merciful. He he could allow us to, to, to remain in the consequences of our sin, but, but, but for those who are in Christ, like Jonah, God is going to orchestrate things in a way with the goal of turning us back to him. We've also learned that, that God always hears us when we pray because he is merciful. Those help me prayers and, and those long prayers and, and everything in between... 
God's ears are open to the cries of his people. He is merciful. And we also learn from Jonah's chapter one, Jonah chapters 1 and 2 that God allows us to serve him for his glory because he is merciful. He did not need Jonah. He chose Jonah. And finally, we learn that God is always in control no matter how difficult things may seem. The storm was God's storm. The fish was God's fish. None of these things happened outside of God's sovereign hand. So here we are. Jonah has been thrown in. He's been swallowed. Chapter 2 ends with him being vomited back out on land. I love the Bible. So Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, finally. (laughs) Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. two headings that I want to look at this passage under. The first one is that of God's word proclaimed. Early in the passage, God speaks again to to Jonah and says, arise, go to Nineveh. Now it's important that we understand that this is a second chance for Jonah, but if you look over in chapter 1, the first time God speaks to, to, to Jonah in this book, this is what he says, Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Jonah chapter 3, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So God's commission to Jonah has not changed. And it's important that we understand that. Jonah is the one who changed. It was Jonah whose heart changed in the fish. It was Jonah who began to realize that that, that the merciful God who saved him was the one that he should be serving. But God's message did not change. His plans did not change. And Jonah obeyed. Now again, when I had the map up, you saw that, that Nineveh was, was way off the map. It was hundreds of miles from the shore. And so there's an aspect where Jonah's repentance is evident in the fact that once he gets vomited up on the shore, he still got a lot of walking yet to do. So his obedience is evidence of his repentance as we consider the story of Jonah. It wasn't, hey God, get me out of this and I'll do whatever you want, but that. No, the fish spits him out and Jonah says, you know what, I'm not messing around with God. He says go, I'm going to go. Even though we'll see in chapter 4 that his heart's not fully right there, but he understands that he needs to follow God's command. 
So Jonah obeys. God speaks to Jonah, and then later when he gets to Nineveh, God speaks through Jonah. Nineveh, Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, may, God may turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. God's word has been proclaimed. Now we see that God's mercy is received. The, the people of Nineveh received Jonah's message because, honestly, God had to have prepared their hearts. Uh, another theme in the book of Jonah is, is that through this book, God reveals that he is greater than all the other false gods that the nations believed in. I think one of the reasons that the people responded quickly to the message was because God had, had prepared their hearts, probably because word had spread about the prophet that had been vomited out on the shore. Uh, that's probably not something that happened every day. Re remember as we were learning about the Assyrians and, and the people of Nineveh and they worshipped the, 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 the god of fish, Dagon, do you remember that? I showed you a goofy picture of, a, of someone with a, with a fish head and, and, and human legs. That, that would have been a big deal to people that believed that there was a God simply over sea creatures. And yet here comes Jonah bringing this message. That word would have spread. If something like that happened in the Susquehanna, they would know about it in China by now. So word spread. They wanted to hear from this prophet from the sea. But Jonah's message, the book of Jonah, like mentions or shows also that the God of the Bible was different than any other God who existed. And I say that because the ancient view was, was that gods tended to be regional or topical in nature. We, 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 we touched on that a little bit in our study of 1 Corinthians. They had the different temples there, and you had goddesses of, of love and, and, and gods who were over messengers and, and things like that. It was similar in the Old Testament. The Assyrians had multiple gods that they worshipped, and, and, and each god was over something. 
Jonah trying to flee from the presence of God and the reach of God by going to Tarshish, what was evidence that he held to a, a similar view as well. He thought if he could sail away, if he, if he got far enough away from Israel, maybe God couldn't reach him. We see how foolish that was, right? The same is true here. The, the, the God that Jonah is coming to speak to the people about is revealing that he is sovereign over all. He, he's not limited to, to boundaries or topics. He is a God who rules all. And, and so this went against their understanding of, of what it meant to worship a God. Jonah's bringing the message of someone greater, if I could simplify it. And the people heard and they believed. It's illustrated in their repentance and it's illustrated also in the king's repentance as well. Now understand, in Assyria, some of the kings themselves viewed themselves as deities. They, they believed that they were gods themselves. So, so this makes the actions of the, uh, of the king even more significant. First of all, we see that he humbled himself in verse 6 and also his people in verse 7. He and the people cried out to God. He and his people turned from their sin. Not with the promise that God would relent, but simply with the hope that he would. God had prepared them for this message and they were ready to respond to do whatever they thought they could possibly do, repent of their sins in the hopes that God would relent of the destruction that he had promised to bring. Even the actions of the king himself, he got up from the seat of power. He removed the symbols of his authority, his robe, he got dressed in the same thing everybody else was wearing, sackcloth. And then he got down as he sat in ashes, sign of mourning. He didn't go far geographically. But in his heart and mind, he got as low as you possibly could get before God. He removed anything that, 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 that would claim any type of authority. And he says, no, this God who Jonah is preaching about, this God is in control. That's humility, brothers and sisters. And that's, that's an example that we can and should follow. He did everything in the hope that God would forgive their sins. And we see in verse 10 that God indeed shows mercy to Nineveh. The, the king and the people, they deserved God's judgment, but instead God relented and spared them. Mercy is kindness shown to the miserable and includes pity, compassion, forbearance, and gentleness 
which the scriptures so abundantly ascribe to God. Brothers and sisters, before we received the mercy of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we were as guilty and as miserable as the Ninevites. That is not exaggeration. That's not a dramatic overstating of something. It is the truth. The wrath that they deserved was the same wrath that we deserved. And it's only through the work of Christ that we receive God's grace and mercy. Non-believers here this morning, I, I trust that you know who you are. I do not. Maybe you don't. But church attendance doesn't save us. It's an expression of our faith and our understanding that God has called us to a covenant community. That's not what saves. Good works do not save. Putting on a good show to where the people around you think you believe when you know deep down that you don't can never save you. You are in your sin. You may have never, like the Assyrians, run a fish hook through your enemies and drug them around town on parade. But every wicked thought, every evil deed, every uncaring and unkind word is worthy of the wrath of God. Jesus willfully went to the cross where he bore God's wrath so that all who turned him in faith would be forgiven. Not only would our sins be wiped away, washed away, but we would also be given the credit for all the good, all the righteousness that Jesus Christ displayed in his life. The great exchange, our sin for his righteousness, making us acceptable in God's sight. That is the only hope for any of us in this room, from the, from the most put together appearing person to the person who seems like they feel like they're struggling all the time. The remedy is the same. The hope is the same. It is through Christ our Lord and Savior. He is the embodiment of God's kindness shown to the miserable. It flows from his pity and compassion and forbearance. It's the very expression of his gentleness so that we could be reconciled to God forever. It is great news and it should remind us Christians each and every day of our need to repent of the sin that still exists within us. We fall short. Non-Christians, you probably know this already, but the believers in this room still blow it sometimes. Oftentimes. 
The difference is that because we've been forgiven, we must come to realize that that sin is something that should not any longer be a defining reality in our lives, meaning that we are driven by it. Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin. And that means our lives must be marked day after day by our recognizing those times that we sin and turning away and turning to God in faith. Praying for His help. Trusting Him for the the, the strength to press on. Living together in community where we encourage one another in that direction. For the glory of God. But we as Christians must remember the seriousness of sin and with God's help learn to hate it just as much as the non-believers in this room must come to realize the prison that your sin has you in and that Christ is the only way to set you free. Throughout our Christian lives, Jesus is that defining reality. He is the North Star. That we orient our lives towards until we see him face to face. God is merciful. May our lives as Christians reflect that mercy. May the unbelievers among us experience that mercy. Let us pray.